Thanks for listening to this teaching from City of Life Church. Check out www.col.tv for more great teachings, service times, and information on upcoming events. Now, let's join the service already in progress. Amen, church. Can we stand and continue to worship today? He's an on-time God. Amen. When I look back, I didn't think that I would make it. I was sinking, and the shame came like a wave. I just knew that I was too far gone, and you showed up. On time. Come on, church, we say, I see it all now. I see it all now. Oh, how your head, how your head was always working, even in time. You were faithful, you were faithful, never fail. Even when, even when I thought darkness won, then you, you showed up.
God, you love, do a miracle. You're never too, you're never too, you never give, you never give. Nothing's too far gone for the on time, God. You always show But even when the devil thought he won, that's when you show up. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, that's when you show up. You're in all time, God. Oh, you're always on time. You're in all time, God. Oh, you're always on time. You're never too late. Oh, oh you're never too late. Those of you that are watching online to City of Life Church, uh, we're starting a brand new series here today. Now, this is not a new series in terms of it's not just created, but it's brand new for this year and kind of a new take on a series that's really important to us here at City of Life. And it's a series called Jesus First, Jesus Always. And so today is part one of that series. Uh, I want to say before we even get into the preaching, um, I believe this, that God has spoken some things about this year to us. If you were not at our New Year's Eve service, I feel like that this is not just a, a year of new things, but it's God teaching us how to use things that he has already given us uh, and how to utilize things that he's already given us. God spoke to that to us at our New Year's Eve service. So I, I think there's some things I just would like you to consider before you start moving forward in this year that you know, sometimes we're only asking for new things and we forget about the things that are in our toolbox that God has already given us that we may not be utilizing. So uh, that, that was when I was uh, 15 and I started out in music, my dad bought me um, a thing called an Insonic SQ80. It was a sequencer, like a keyboard. And uh, we had just lost our youth pastor and we didn't have any music in our music department. And my dad brought this thing into my room after football practice. And he said, son, 
Uh, he said, learn how to use this by Monday. You're the new youth pastor and you're also the worship leader. I had never led anything and I did not know what I was doing. And it was just this gigantic keyboard with all these digital things in it. It had a thing on board called a sequencer. I said, what is this? He goes, you program music into it. You program drums, you program bass and you can do it. Do it by Monday. And I never, I never even played keyboards. I, I, was, I played guitar. Uh, I just kind of dinked around the keyboard. So I literally, there was no YouTube. There was no anything. So I stayed up all night. And, and learned how to use this particular keyboard. Well, it was the only one that I had. So within a period of months, I was obsessed with making music. And so I just learned everything that you could learn about this keyboard. I read the manual cover to cover. Uh, I learned how to create sounds. And so by the time I was 15, I was making several hundred dollars a, a week by programming music for bands, uh, top 40 bands in Orlando. Like these guys that were in their 20s and 30s would come here and I would give them a cartridge and they would pay me money. I was programming Prince, Michael Jackson, all this stuff that I would give them these cartridges that had the sequences on it that they would play to live. And everyone would always ask me, dude, where did you get those sounds? How did you make that sound like that? And I would say, oh, that's just my Insonic SQ80. And they would say, there's just no way. There's no way I have one of those. It doesn't make those sounds. I was, I'd, I'd be like, well, no, I made them. That's why they sound great. Is I made them because I know how to use it. So I got more. And for years, that was the thing. Is people would say, how did you do that? How did you do that? Well, I learned how to use what I had. I learned how to use what I had instead of always wanting something new. I learned how to utilize what I had already been given. And what I had already been given was superior to what everyone else wanted in the new thing they were trying to get. So I think that God has already given you some things that are in your life that before that new thing comes, I'm not saying let's go and get the new thing, but I, I, I believe that you have some things that God has already given you that with wisdom, is going to put you over the top this year. Who's believing that for your life this year? Amen. Give God a good praise. Come on, give him a good praise. We're going to get into our message. That's kind of one of our words for this year. Got a few great words for the year, but that's one of the things that God spoke. Amen. Well, uh, Jesus first, Jesus always. This is um, a really important series for me. It's uh, the origin of this book that I wrote uh, several years ago really is... Uh, I think almost uh, 12 years old, kind of the story of how this came to be. And uh, there's really no way to tell it without telling this part of the story is uh, there was a guy that was at our church that was uh, really important to, to many of us here. His name was uh, David Caps, and David was our youth pastor. David was a kid that his father worked on staff 20 years ago and he grew up in my youth group. I was his youth pastor. And he was unbelievably shy, like just would never talk to anyone. Even, I mean, I couldn't even get him to hardly say a word. I remember when he was turned 13, we were at a uh, kind of a revival thing during the summer at the beach with our youth group. And I saw him sitting over crying. He was just by himself. He started just crying in, in one of the worship sessions. And I said, hey, man, how you doing? That's the first time I ever really started talking to him. And he started opening up a little bit about some things that he wanted to do. He said he wanted to play music and stuff. So I got my guitar, showed him some chords uh, on the guitar, taught him how to play guitar. And uh, all of a sudden he just became a guy that I was pouring into his life, mentoring, uh, uh, gave him a job here at the church. I, I, had, I had taken um, classes on how to edit video back when digital video editing was a brand new thing. And kind of taught him everything that I knew about video editing and, and uh, he became our video editor here at the church, then eventually became our youth pastor. 
And uh, one, of, one of my closest friends, uh, you know, his, his uh, wife was Sheena, and uh, he, he ended up getting cancer. And, and on our, and his daughter, Sydney, be- uh, beautiful, gorgeous Sydney that runs around here all the time. She like, looks like she's like 25 years old now. Uh, but she, she's wonderful. She plays on a basketball team. But uh, Dave got cancer and walked through the most challenging period at that time in the history of our church of, of, uh, until he eventually passed away. And I think part of that journey of, of him having cancer and being someone that was so close to me, one of my closest friends, our, our staff, several of our staff members, one of their closest friends, really was the first time in my life, uh, around 40, my late 30s when this happened, that I started having to take all the information that I had about my faith and really, really bring it down to what it means to me, to what it actually means. It, when, when everything is on the line, it's one thing to be up here on a Sunday morning and to say the things that people like to hear and get people excited. Anyone can do that. Uh, anyone can build a big church if you say the right things. That's not, it's not even about that. I'm talking about what does faith mean what does faith mean when everything is on the line? What does it mean when you, when, when you believe it? So Dave believed it. So we started having conversations while he was sick because I'd never been through anything like that. And we started talking about what actually matters. And especially as he started getting really sick, he started vlogging and uh, he, would, he would give me these messages. And I said, look, just... Tell the truth on these things, however you're feeling. I won't tell anybody. I'll, I'll listen to them. I promise you I will not divulge the information. Anything that you don't want me to share, I won't share. So we started doing this. Uh, and things started progressively getting worse with his health. But the conversation started getting more and more real. So therefore, I started a, a series back then that was called The Life I Was Meant to Live. And we started really narrowing down meaning through those dialogues. And that became the genesis of the idea for for this book, Jesus First, Jesus Always, which to me is not just a catchy title. To me, this book is the way to explain the life I was meant to live. It's the way to tell someone who maybe has kind of lost their way or maybe who already knows their way but has forgotten it. And it's really important in our lives, church, that we recenter ourselves. Uh, regularly. And I think at the beginning of the year is a perfect time for Jesus first, Jesus always. I don't know how many of you have ever been in a situation where someone really needed you to do something. Like I was one time at the scene of an accident and someone was really hurt. I mean, looked like they were going to die. Like, Like it was a head on collision. And someone said, hey, they didn't, no one had a phone. This is like back before everybody had phones. They said, hey, can you go call the ambulance? So I, I left the scene and went to call an ambulance. How many people think that's a pretty important job? Raise your hand up high. Let me see your hand if you think that's an important job. Now, can you imagine if while on my way to call the ambulance, I saw that Target was having a sale? No, I mean, we're groaning and moaning, but listen to the analogy. Imagine if I saw that Target was having a sale. Not just a sale. The sale of a lifetime. You can get 10 CD players for, for $100. 10 CD players for $100. They're the state of the art, and each of them normally are $1,000, but it's like the hugest sale you could ever imagine. 
CD, huh? No, this, this is when CD player, this is when phone, you're not following me because there were no phones back then. Yeah, yeah, this, this, is, back, this is back in the, the day when there's no phones. So, so imagine if, if I would have left because I was enticed by this deal. Who thinks that would be the right thing to do? No one raised your hand. It wouldn't be the right thing to do because the matter is so urgent that it requires my attention until the task is what? Till it's done or till it's complete. I have to do it. I have to make sure that nothing stands in my way until I accomplish that task. I would submit to you that if Jesus is not first in your life and Jesus is not always and you have not framed your life in an appropriate way, then you are forgetting about the task that has been given to you. And it is very easy in our life to get sidetracked when we see things that appear to be very important or an opportunity that we feel like is only going to come around once. We get very sidetracked. We get very disillusioned. We want to spend time focused on other things. But today is a day for us to really frame our year and to frame our mindset to make sure that we are answering the question regularly that Jesus asks to us in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. Here's what he says in 13 through 15. He says, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the son of man is? Now, Jesus is the son of man. Okay. But he's saying, who do people say the son of man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Now, here, here's a question for you today. Here's a question that Jesus is standing in front of us asking. He's saying, who does everybody else say I am? Now, we can answer that. We can answer that. You know, people on TikTok, they say he's, some of them say he's just a, a good leader. Some of them say that he's fake. He's not real. Some, some you know, historians say he never existed. They try to find out ways to discredit, disprove who Jesus is. People say you're all kinds. Some people say you're Lord. But who do you say I am? That is really important. And I would say that the answer that you give verbally is less important than what you have already defined as the purpose of your day-to-day -day life. Because who you really say Jesus is is already being defined by how you live your life right now. What is the purpose of your life? What is that great mission that has been entrusted to you? How do you view that on a day-to-day -day basis? Because you're already answering the question of who Jesus is to you by the sense of urgency that you have in fulfilling the mandates that Jesus has already given you. He's not going to give them to you again. He's already given them to you. You're defining who Jesus actually is right now by how you live your life. So am I. Purpose is really important. When we're, when we're going to have this conversation for the next few weeks about Jesus versus Jesus always, purpose is very, very important. If I told you, meet me at Indy Atlantic Beach in Melbourne, go straight down 192, right to the water, to the edge of the water, meet me there at 2.36 a.m. tonight or in the morning. You, would pro you know what the first question you would probably ask me is? Por qué? 
You would say, why am I going to get up that early? You would certainly want an answer as to why I was requiring you to do something so inconvenient, right? Because you got to get up. You have to take your time. You have to, you have to invest your time to do something that you don't understand. So you would want a reason for something just like that. But yet I believe there are people, I really mean this. I believe there are people, many of us, live our lives on a day-to-day -day basis without ever truly asking, what is the purpose of my life? The real purpose. And, and I mean, you haven't really analyzed the question of what is the purpose of my life if your answer is something like to be happy. I mean, really ask yourself for a second, because if that's really what your answer is, be, just be very careful. That's a scary thought. It's really, or to be free or something like that, to, to, to do whatever I want, to be free, to just live the life that I want. I don't, I'm not going to hurt anybody or whatever. I just want to do what I want to do. That is really, really scary. Because what you have to do, if you say that that is the purpose of life, for you to be happy, you personally to be happy, then what you are essentially saying is that really nothing in this world matters except for you. You're saying that my personal happiness is the center of the universe. And I should do whatever it is. I should think whatever I want to think. And you're basically saying nothing matters except what I want. Now, here's the problem is you're going to find something in your life that because basically what you're saying by saying happiness is the reason for life is you're saying nothing matters. Nothing really, truly, truly matters. But the problem is we know that's not true. We know that certain things do matter. And the scary part is when you start getting really philosophical about it is if anything really matters, then everything matters. And that's what this conversation is about. It's to get you to look inward. It's to get us to look inward at our life. How are we living our lives right now in regard to Jesus? Has Jesus become a token figure in our life? You know, I have a cross on my neck, but you know, sometimes Jesus to us is no more than just something like this, just a token. People, you know, all the time, I love your cross. Oh, thanks. I mean, be careful that Jesus is not just a token in your life. Yeah, I go to church. What are you, I'm, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Let's be very careful because if that's the way we're living, then Jesus has lost the power He's lost the meaning in your life. He's given you an assignment. You have been sent to do something very important and you've gotten off track. You've gotten your eyes on the wrong thing. We have to get ourselves back on track. Who do you say I am? So I'm gonna preach today part one of our brand new series called Jesus First, Jesus Always. Week one is called Who Am I? Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. I pray in Jesus' name today, you would just encourage everyone in this room. Lift them up. Let us have a greater revelation of who you are in our lives. Let your, your presence be here. Let your Holy Spirit be in everything that's being said. Energize our hearts so we can see you clearly and live for you in a dynamic way. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. I think one of the uh, challenging things for us as Christians is we want that token Jesus 
to just kind of go along with us wherever, wherever we go. And we want to create our own version of who Jesus is. And I think that we do this pretty regularly. And we create essentially idols in our lives that really take the place of who Jesus is meant to be. Now, I think it's important when we're starting a brand new year to think about first things. When you think about first things, think about God's moral law. Think about the Ten Commandments. What does he say? He says, number one, he says, I'm the Lord your God. Me, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. None. Don't, don't, don't make an idol for yourself. Don't create anything for yourself. Don't make something that you want to worship on your own. I am who I am. I define who I am very clearly. And don't create something for you. Why is that rule number one? Because that's the one that we're most likely to break. That's the one that we are guaranteed that we are going to break. We're going to create a version of God that we like better than the real God. We're going to create a version. And what is our version of God? Well, God is loving to everyone. No, he's not. He's actually very angry at sin. The Bible tells us that his, his righteous indignation is against sin and evil. When we know Christ and we're redeemed by Christ, he's loving toward us despite our failures and our weaknesses. But we try to create a God that is not even in the Bible. So I think one of the things that we do is we forget that the Bible tells us first, it's first and foremost in the Bible, I'm your Lord, your God, have no other gods before me. Don't take my name in vain. What is that? That's also having a reverence and a holiness and an awe and a wonder about who God actually says he is. And, and taking his name in vain is not only just using profanities, but it's actually calling on his name without the power behind what his name means. It's, it's failing to appropriate the power and the majesty that are in his name. When you say his name, you better have honor behind it. When you say his name, you better have faith behind it. You better believe. Is anyone alive today? Y'all feeling a little gry? Are y'all still hung over from the, the Holy Ghost party we had the other night? Okay, you got, you got to get awake and alive here today. So when you say his name, there better be power behind it. And then what's the third thing? He says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. All three of those things are, are saying that if you're going to live a life that is honoring and pleasing to me, then you better remember who I am first. And I know for a fact that we create idols in our lives. We replace God with things that we are more comfortable with. This series is meant to remind us of who Jesus actually is and who Jesus is supposed to be in our life. It's time for us to address idols that we have created. And you say, well, how have I created an idol? What could possibly be an idol in my life? Well, what makes you the angriest? What really, 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 really makes you angry? And get down to the bottom of the true why behind that. And rarely do we ever want to point the finger at ourselves. We want to point it at other people. And sometimes, you know, like, for instance, let's say, you're, let's say you're late and you've only got 20 minutes to eat a meal. And you walk into a restaurant, you're trying to get some food real quick, and the, and the server is really slow. So you're just, you're just banging on the table. 
Look at them over there walking. Look at them over there just acting like they, just, they can do whatever they want. I have to beat the airport. And what, what, what's going on here? You just don't want to admit you didn't give yourself enough time. Who wants to point the finger at themselves? I didn't give myself enough time. Or you're, you're, you know, you're honking, and you're flipping off teenagers that have their learner's permit on the turnpike because you're late to work. These kids are like, oh, oh, you know, you're, you're, you're about to kill somebody. You're, you're, you're dreaming that you have like missiles on your car to, so other cars could explode and get out of the way. But why? You're late. You have, you have poorly managed your time. You don't have enough margin in your life. Why? Because something else is more important to you than creating enough space so everyone else can be comfortable. Are, are you seeing how we can define some of our idols? What do you hate the most? What do you fear the most? What do you fear losing the most? See, idols, and why am I talking about idols? Because it's, it's possible that what you're calling Jesus is an idol that you created that only bears the name of Jesus, but not his power. And we do it all the time. So what do you fear the most? What is the thing that you think about? Oh, my, I could have it. I could deal with anything. Just don't touch this. What is that? Is that your family? Is that your marriage? Is it a person in your life? Is it, what, what is that thing? Because when you really dig into to that, why? Why is that the thing that, that nothing can touch? And if something touches that particular thing, here's why. Here's the answer to that question. Because as people that are unredeemed, we love to turn good things into ultimate things. And when you turn a good thing into an ultimate thing, that ultimate thing becomes an idol. And it will absolutely replace Jesus on the throne of your heart. And it will become the thing. That's why so, so many times in relationships, people will be in love with someone and someone will break up with them. This happened in high school. Uh, I, multiple times, unfortunately, but someone broke up with someone. They said, I can't do this. I can't live with that. And people threatened to kill themselves. Or they, they did all these crazy things. Why? Because they've taken something that was good. And when they couldn't control it or couldn't have it, now they've turned it into the ultimate thing. And they'd rather not even be alive. Are you seeing how idolatry gets a hold of our life? And we create versions of Jesus that are really not even how he has defined himself. So as I'm asking, you say, well, why don't you just get to the text? He said, who am I? What's your, what's your point on that? Well, I, I, I'm making my point. My point is who you say he is is more than just the word that you answer with. It's the way you're living right now. It's what position you have put him in in your life. What level of priority? It's you at the scene of the accident where someone says, hey, go take care of this. And you leaving and going, oh, look at the pretty shiny things. Oh, there's a sale over here. Oh, they're having a you know, McDonald's. You can get a cheap meal over here. Oh, my gosh. And you're just doing all these different things, but you're missing the point. It's a life and, or death situation. People's destinies are hanging in the balance. So this concept about who do you say I am? I love something A.W. Tozer says, what comes to our mind when we think about God? What comes to our mind when, when, the, when the word God is mentioned is the most, he says, is the most important thing about us. 
And, and so as someone is mentioning God, whatever it is that you think, if you just think old man in the sky, you know, white beard, I don't know, a cane. I don't know how you think about God. Like he's in a chair. He's like this chill dude. Like he's just real nice. But he's super powerful. I don't know what it is. But whatever you think, if, if, if his holiness and his power and, his, and the awe and the wonder of who he is comes to your mind. Or his great love and his grace and his majesty come to mind. Whatever that is. If it's the forgiveness or grace, whatever. Or if it's someone that judges and makes your life hard. Whatever that thing is that you think of first when you think of God. A.W. Tozer said it's the most important thing about us. I think, I think in the same way, he says that about God, but I would even define it a little more as what we think about, what comes to our mind when, when someone says the name Jesus. That is, that is the most defining thing about us. Why? Because Jesus claimed to be the most important person. He didn't just act like the most important person. He said that he was the most important person that would ever live. He, he verbalized it in such a shocking way that if we don't take it to heart, and if we're not living with this sense of urgency every day, then we're going to Target to buy the CD players that we don't need when the mission is being abandoned. Jesus claimed, he said in Revelation 22 and 13, he said, I am the alpha and the omega. The A and the Zeta, is that right? The A to the Z. You know what? And if he's the A to the Z, I got news for you. He's everything in between. He says, I'm the start and the finish. Jesus said, I started all of this. I'm finishing all of this. So I got news for you. If he started all of it and he finished and he's finishing all of it, he considers himself to be the most important thing in the plot line of everything that is in between. He said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Think about what he is saying. He's saying this world is dark. Anything that does not have Jesus in it is darkness. If something is hopeless, or something has no light in it, it just has not yet been introduced to the hope of Jesus. We need to learn how to recognize that Jesus made claims. He says, I am the light. One of the problems in our world is in the early days of science, there was something called the emission theory. They, they understood that light had something to do with vision, <laughs> but in the early days, they thought that there was light that actually came out of our eyes and reflected off objects, that somehow light came out of our eyes when we saw things. This was the standard theory. I'm talking like Plato. All these guys believed this theory. You say, how is that possible? It's just true. 
They believed that when we saw something, there was some kind of small amounts of light that came out and ref reflected off of whatever we're looking at and it enabled us to see. Now, we've discovered over time what is called the intromission theory. And the intromission theory is completely the opposite of that. It's that the way we see things is that light comes from an outside source. It bounces off an object and it goes into our, it doesn't come from our eyes. It goes into our eyes. And because of the other source that's providing the light, we are able to see. So what does that mean? It means we cannot produce light. I wish I could produce light when I'm walking around trying to use the bathroom in a hotel I've never been in before. Because uh, I'm, I'm just knocking all into things everywhere. I can't find where I am. I can't remember where I am. But no, we can't. We don't have the ability to produce light. But the intermission theory teaches us that the outside sources, and that's the problem with our world, is everybody wants to live my truth. Everyone wants to believe that we project truth Truth being the light, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he also says, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He is claiming total and complete exclusivity. You say, well, my friend has never even met Jesus. Well, that's not what Romans says. Romans says that everybody knows through their conscience and through nature, even the, the nature of the Godhead, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, even if they've never been explicitly explained the person of Jesus, it means each person knows through creation and in their conscience who Jesus Christ is because of the God nature that is in them, they either accept it or they reject it. So it's really important for us to know that if, if we don't allow this truth to be the light that illuminates truth to us, we can't produce truth on our own. We can't create versions of our truth. We have to let Jesus be the truth of our lives. Can somebody say amen today? Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say he is? I think that it's important. You're here, you're going, I've heard this before. I've been a Christian for a long time. Well, the, the beginning of my book uh, talks about, I encourage you to read the book, read along as we're going through this, the series. I believe God will just open up some cool ideas to you about where you are. It's, I think it's one of those kinds of books that you could read multiple times. And I think it can help frame your purpose in a really powerful way. But in the book, I was talking about that my mom, when I was like 17, I was squinting at stuff. I never even knew I needed glasses. I just thought that you just like every street light on the street just looked like a gigantic halo. I just didn't know that. I just didn't, didn't understand. Uh, so my mom was like, you're squinting all the time. I'm making you an appointment uh, at, at, you know, at the optometrist. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So we go and I, they're messing around with my eyes. And I, I just didn't care about anything. I was like, ooh, Ralph Lauren Polo. I like those glasses. I want to wear, I just, I thought maybe they would look cool. So I get the glasses. I'm thinking I can be like real studious and stuff. So we, we leave the place. We've got our glasses. I've never even tried them on. I've got them in the case. I forgot I had them. So we're driving home. And she's like, Jeff, Jeffrey, you should try on your glasses. Uh, I was like, okay. So I put on the glasses. I, I, oh my gosh, I will never forget the moment that I first realized that I could see leaves. I, leaves could be seen. Trees were so beautiful. 
I was driving down the road. I could see blades of grass. I could see the world as it was meant to be seen. I had gone through my life figuring out a way to stumble around and to get through things without having the proper focus in my life, without having the proper lens through which I am supposed to view the world. And I would tell you that if Jesus is not the most important thing in your life every moment, if you're living your life off, of, off mission, you've been given that imp incredibly important assignment. Hey, this person is desperately in need. Now go get help. See, you're the person that's out getting the help. You're the person that's out on mission, trying to seek and save the lost, just like Jesus did. We've got an urgent message. If you've lost sense of that urgency in your life, then you're living your life with, without the lens. Now see, when I have these off, first of all, everyone looks gorgeous with these off. I just want to let you know you're beautiful. No, I'm kidding. You look even better with them on. You look, you forgot, then let me get to part two. You look even better with them on. But without them on, yo, I mean, I... I'm trying to see who I can recognize. I can barely recognize anybody. I see you guys up here. I know some of you guys. But once I get like to the third row, I can't see anything. Boom. I see it. Wow, this is wonderful. Oh, man, you look great over there. So this is, this is awesome. And this is the way that we are meant to see the world. But what is the lens? Who is the lens? Wow, these are really dirty. Jesus is the lens. Jesus is the lens through which we see the world. Now, let's get on to the next idea about framing our lives correctly and making sure we're looking through the, the right lens is that I don't have the same prescription that I had when I was 17. Right? It's way better. No, I'm kidding. It's worse. It's worse. Your vision gets progressively worse and in the same way. It doesn't matter if you're an elder, if you're a pastor, if you've planted ministries, if you're a missionary. It, none of that matters at all. When it comes to this idea of making sure Jesus is the priority in our life, we have to continually reframe our life to make sure that Jesus is the center of our life. That Jesus is the lens through which we are viewing the world. And what's crazy is once you get the revelation that Jesus is the first and the last, the alpha and omega, he started it all. He's first. He's always in eternity. He is the end. Everything in history is rushing toward him. Once you get this powerful revelation, your life can never be the same. It will never be the same. Once you're willing to readjust and to say, I am tired of just getting through. Yeah, I can make it through life without the right vision. But once you get a vision of what it's supposed to look like through Christ and in Jesus, you can never see things the same again. I mean, I love Star Wars, A New Hope. It's great. I guess they call it part four, but it was the original one. It was part one when I was a kid. There was no part, you know, that was the first one. It's a great movie. But we discover in Empire Strikes Back, I am your father. <laughs> so we know Darth Vader is Luke's father. I'm sorry if you're like, that's a spoiler. How about a spoiler alert? It's Star Wars. You need to know this by now. <laughs> Darth is Luke's father. If I ever watch A New Hope and I see Darth Vader, I go, Luke's father. I know it. I mean, I instantly know it. There's no mystery there. You can't unsee it. 
When you watch it, you know it the whole time. It changes everything about seeing it again. And in the same way, knowing that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega, the first and last, the beginning and the end, once you know this, you can't view life the same way again. Nominal Christianity will not cut it any longer. Something has to change. I've got to live my life with purpose. I've got to live my life with power. I have to live my life on mission. I've got to wake up today and praise the Lord. I've got to put power on the name of Jesus that I've never put on it before. I've got to put faith on it that I've never put on it before. I've got to wake myself up and remember that he is the light. Everything else is darkness. Even the version of him that I have created for myself that goes side by side and is accepting of my sin on a daily basis, is accepting of my unbelief on a daily basis. There's more to it than that. There's more in you than that. The power that God wants to demonstrate through you, when you frame him properly, it's unimaginable what your purpose really looks like in life. I want us to live to the highest level of our purpose. Maybe you're investigating who, who Jesus is. Maybe you're here at the beginning of the year. You're trying to find out more. Well, I, I encourage you today. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is the light of the world. I think you can tell who somebody really is. If you want to know who somebody really is, listen close. What do they really love? Because that's who they are. What do they really love? What somebody really loves is who they really are. And the Bible says, greater love has no man than he laid down his life for a friend. It also says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. What does that mean? It means Jesus loved us in a way that, in a, with a love that cannot be greater. So if you want to define who Jesus is, we can define him by, our, by his love for us. By his love for us. If you want to know who God is, you can define him by his willingness to sacrifice his son Jesus because he loved us so much. So who is Jesus? John 15, 12, Jesus said, love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, than this. Then he lays down his life for his friends. John, I love the way John refers to himself. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. Why? There are other disciples. He knows that Jesus is, he loves everybody. But some, somehow he felt as if Jesus loved him the most. I think that we can see who Jesus is. But, and I think that you would feel that same way. And you should feel that same way about Jesus toward you, that his love for you is the greatest. It's the most. He claims to be the beginning and the end point, And he's certainly everything in between. I would just close today by asking you, are you living your truth today? Have you learned how to accept a life that is basically just whatever is convenient for you? Or have you really asked that tough question of who does Jesus Say he is. He claims to be these things. Is my life being lived in accordance with who Jesus says 
He is. I've heard it said that how you live is more important than what you believe, but how you live is the greatest indicator of what you actually believe. In, whether that's your tithes, what you think about healing, what you think about relationships, what you think about justice. And I, I love this because today, as we're here in this room, I feel the Holy Spirit is just working on hearts. For those of you that are watching online, I believe the Holy Spirit is working on your heart. If the things that I, I'm saying and, and the, the truth of, of, the, of God's word is hitting home like it should, then the Holy Spirit is convicting you. He's not condemning you. He's convicting you and encouraging you. Make room for Jesus. Make room for who Jesus can possibly be in your life when you make him the first thing in your life. Not just in priority, but that, that he precedes you. He comes before you. He was here first. We have to give honor to people that were here first, right? And he was before us. He started all of this. So we have to honor him, but then we also have to make him a priority in our life. So I believe the Holy Spirit is revealing to some people in this room today who Jesus should be. I believe some of those people do not know the Lord. I believe there are people in this room that do know the Lord, but you've created a version of him that you're more comfortable with. I believe God is working on your heart today. Like Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. He says, who do you say I am? Peter steps up and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Right answer, Pete. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. What does that tell me? That only an answer from heaven will suffice when it comes to who is Jesus. It has to come from the inside out. Who is he? He's my savior. He's the reason I live. He's my first and always he is my purpose. He's my alpha and omega. He's my light. He's my way. He's my truth. He's my life. He's the one that I got to frame everything around. He's so much more than just something that fits on a necklace or something you put on a bumper sticker. Oh my gosh, he's everything. He's the lens through which we view the world. Next time somebody gets on your nerves, try putting on those glasses. Just say, hey, I got, I, got to, I got to see this through a different lens. I got to see this through the lens of Jesus. I got to deal with this with some patience in my life. Right? I need to let love show in my life because Jesus is, God is love. Jesus personifies the greatest love that we can imagine. So today, if you, if anything I have said about the nature of of us as humans, as people, our propensities to create things that kind of look like Jesus, but are some weird version that we've created, some Frankenstein version that we've pieced together from all these different ideas. That's not a Lord and Savior. It's an idol with Jesus above the top of it. And that's not Jesus. If you've created anything other than who Jesus is supposed to be, then this, this is for you today. So I'll ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes if you're here today in this place. And you're in either of those categories of whether you don't know Jesus, you've never surrendered your life to him, 
or you're here today and you have called on him, but you've lost the meaning of who he is supposed to be in your life. I believe there's something really urgent going on in the spirit right now, today. I believe today is a consequential day in a good way where the Holy Spirit wants to do something so fresh and so new in the lives of so many people in this place that just getting this revelation and taking it to heart will set us free and get us from here to there. Some people that have been pushing up against borders in your life that you've been unable to cross because you've been looking at it through the wrong lens. Today, you're gonna get everything reframed and Jesus is gonna be the focus and the center of your life. So if that's you today and you're in either one of those groups, I'll ask you right now with no one looking around, when I count to three, to just lift your hand and say, I want to know Jesus as he is meant to be known, as my alpha and omega, my first and last, A to the Z and everything in between. I want him to be my light, my life, my way, my truth, my everything. I'm ready today to make it Jesus first, Jesus always. If that's you, when I count to three, I'm gonna ask you to lift your hand right up above your head. And if you're watching online, I'll ask you to lift your hands too. Or type, and just in wherever you're watching, or also type in the chat, I'm lifting my hand so our team can connect with you. God's moving right now. Here we go. One, the Bible says now is the time of salvation. Two, I believe every person here has been drawn here by the power of the Holy Spirit for this very moment. Three, hands up all over the building if that's you. My goodness, hands going up everywhere, all over this place. Man, that is just dozens of people. That's amazing. Praise God. I believe their hands are being lifted online as well. Could you repeat this prayer with me out loud as we earnestly pray this prayer, passionately pray it from our heart and mean it with everything in us. Say, I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I'm putting my faith in you. Be my first, be my always, be everything in between. I'm sorry for living my life in a way that has pushed you out. From this day forward, you will be my focus. Help me to reframe my thinking. Your word says, create in me a clean heart. That's what I'm asking for today. A brand new heart that is able to take your love and demonstrate it in everything I say and do. Let me reflect your grace and your mercy and your kindness and your discipline through the person of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, could we give the Lord a great praise today? So many lifted their hands. Praise God. I cannot wait for the rest of this series. One of the things I'm very excited about in this series is that our team and our staff are gonna teach the various segments of it from kind of a different perspective this time. So I'm very excited about the new revelation we're gonna get in this awesome series. Love you, bless you, Pastor Justin. This concludes the teaching. If you'd like to support what God is doing here at City of Life, click on the Give button at www.col.tv or text a dollar amount to the number 855-997-6900. We hope you'll join us again.